Hey, you're listening to The Real Kathy Lee on the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. Thanks for joining me as I share my mom sessions. It's basically my imperfect journey of motherhood. Be prepared to laugh, maybe cry, but hopefully you're going to be encouraged as I share my failures, successes, and offer some tips I've learned along the way. And remember, you've got this. Have you ever been stuck on how to bring your lessons to life? I discovered KiwiCo monthly subscriptions of hands-on projects that make learning fun. Their core offering is projects that make learning about STEAM, science, technology, engineering, art, and math accessible and are designed to spark creativity, tinkering, and learning. Some recent favorites are the Slime Lab, Physics Carnival, and Paper Circuits. Kiwi Crate was founded by engineer and mom of three, Sandra Olin, and her deep desire to raise kids with the creative confidence needed to become the next generation of problem solvers and critical thinkers. I couldn't agree more with her mission, and I'm excited to offer you a chance to try them for free. To learn more about their projects for kids ages 2 to 16, and to redeem this exclusive offer, visit kiwico.com forward slash homeschool. That's K-I-W-I-C-O dot com forward slash homeschool to get your first month free today. Just pay $4.95 for shipping. Good morning. Happy Friday to you. Um, I hope you enjoyed last week. I thought it was hilarious that my nephew was so willing just to jump in and record a podcast. And I thought they had so many things to share when I think about um, Alex and Sarah and being teenagers and the expectations they have to deal with and the stress they have to deal with, I just want to remind you again that it's so much about the heart. Guys, we can't protect them. I wish we could. I wish there was a formula to protect them from pain, to protect them from porn, to protect them from stress, to protect them from all of it. And unfortunately, in the world we live in, it just isn't possible. So, I just hope from that episode you got that it is about the heart and it's going after their heart and it's being willing to have the tough discussions with them. And I know so many times we want to be their friend, but I know, and I've told you this before, that Sarah has thanked me and all the kids have thanked me for not being their friend. And I think being a parent is different. You can be there for them, but you've got to be the one that's willing just to um, have those tough conversations. So anyway... Been a busy week in our house. We've decided to host a wedding this weekend. We've got company in town. We've got football games happening and lots going on. In addition, we had some good friends decide to drive up from Tampa, Florida. And as I was chatting with her about podcasting, I thought, you know, she's got a lot to say on a subject that I wanted to talk about today. I read a blog post last week uh, and it was written to the white friend mom of this lady's black child. So she was a white mom raising a black son and she wrote this blog post to all the parents of her black son's white friend's parents. Does that make sense? It was a great blog post. It really hit on some things that I know I've dealt with. I know she's dealt with. Um, We raised a biracial daughter for about three years um, and then We've had Latino boys in our home as well. So we have had the mixed race culture in our family, and we have had to deal with some tough conversations and issues. I'm going to introduce you to my friend and let her tell you her story because it's a different take. It's a different situation she found herself in as a mom, and she's really had to deal with some things. So I thought, you know what? 
you might be dealing with this. You might have just adopted a baby. You might have found yourself in a situation where you're raising a baby that's a different race than you. And our advice to you as women who've been there is to be willing again to have those tough conversations. So we're going to share a little bit of our story, things we've had to deal with, and hopefully this will encourage you. If it's something you're praying about, thinking about, we want to be honest. We're just going to be straightforward. This is coming from a place of love. This is just coming from our experiences. So we hope you hear this and you will gain some insight, whether you're a friend of someone who has a child of color or whether you yourself are raising a child of color, especially if you are a white woman or man doing that. We've got to be honest about how our children of color have different situations that they have to uh, face and address. So Natalie is a sweet, precious friend that the Lord has gifted me with a few years ago. And Natalie I'm, drove up from Tampa. She's so stinking cute. She is from Kentucky, by the way, which is a right now kind of a sore spot for me because her football team beat my football team last week. So other than that, she's pretty perfect. I'm going to let her tell you her story. And she's cute little blonde, white girl. <laughs> But she raised an amazing son, a little bit different skin tone, had some different issues. So, Natalie, glad you're here. Yeah. Hey. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, so, tell these guys your story. Yeah. So, I became a mom of a mixed race child and um, at the age of four. So, just jump right in. Head Preschool first years. Right when they're starting to deal with identity. To be honest, four right. is the age where kids start figuring out yeah. who they are. So you had that right off the bat. Probably. Right off the bat. And uh, my husband and I are both white folks. and From Kentucky. From Kentucky. And so the school that um, Jordan went to was predominantly white. Okay. So right off the bat. You know, kids don't see color, though, which is interesting. So yes. at a young age, there were not issues. And if they do, it's matter of fact, right? Because they're concrete learners. So it might be your skin is brown, my skin is pink, or whatever they would yeah. identify. It is just matter of fact. It doesn't have any any um, opinion no. or stereotype associated with it. It's just, oh, wow, you, you're a little bit more brown. And that can be right. among the same um, race, but just your skin tone. That's all they're doing. Right. Yeah. And what was interesting is Josh's uh, mom is actually, she just tans really well. So mm -hmm. she's just a darker skin tone. And I can remember Jordan holding her arm up to his and saying, Nene, look, we're the same color. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and they, so they, he just didn't see color at that time. Um, yeah. I would love that that, wish that would have stayed the yeah. same. But unfortunately, as they get older and it just, the world we live in is, Anybody that says there's not racism still out there is completely crazy. They're foolish, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, and I think we, we don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. Right. But I remember, gosh, when I first moved to Atlanta, so interesting. This uh, wasn't about children, but it just shows how we assume different color means different. Mm -hmm. And I was a director of a preschool. And all, I had t teachers from all over the world, honestly. I had teachers from Russia. I had teachers from Iran. I had teachers from, you know, everywhere. Um, and I remember doing a staff meeting one time, and I asked. We wanted to find out what we were, how we were alike, and how we were different. I was trying to do some bonding. And it was interesting. All the teachers, the black, not all, but many of the black teachers assumed I was much more similar to these white teachers because of skin color. Now, these women were from Russia, and 
I didn't have anything in common. I grew up in Mississippi, and they were so fascinated that I grew up eating collard greens. And some of the, I mean, I, girl, I love collard greens more than anything, but some of the stereotypical, what you would think of a black race. And no, it's a Southern race. I mean, Southern culture. It's not color or, or that kind of race. It was such a great exercise to show... Okay, yes, we have some differences, but we have some things that are alike too. But you had to be honest and talk about it. it and from the get-go, even as a boss, I'm like, we're talking about these tough issues. Mm-hmm. And you as a mom, tell me some of the things that you had to deal with, like that were yeah. tough for him or for you. Yeah, well, we um, thankfully are a very open family, so it was very easy for us to have the hard conversations. Um, as a teenager for him, it became... A huge issue when white girls wanted to go out on a date with him. Yes. And when their parents found out that he was not white like their precious little girls, then they had an issue. Um, I can remember moms calling the house and just saying, you know, Jordan seems really sweet, but, you know, this just isn't going to work. Wow. And so that that was heartbreaking yes. for me and for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, in high school was a different time where he was trying to find his identity. Like, where do I belong? You know, do I belong with the country bumpkins with the cowboy hats and boots? Or do I belong, you know, with these guys over here that listen to rap music and have their hats on sideways? Right. And, you know, just an identity crisis of growing up in a white household in a white neighborhood And so where do I fit? And so we had to have really hard conversations with like, look, you're a child of God and you fit with everybody because you have a huge heart and you don't have to pick a side. There's not, there's no division. Right. Right. Um, Which I think they feel pressured to have division in that. Yeah. Um, And that's society. What ended up happening? He did really well at... He is a country bumpkin, bless his sweet soul, because that's just... Who his mama and daddy are. (laughs) It is environment, too, right? It It is is one of those things. It's like, uh, is it genetics? Is it environment? It's a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, I think it's a mixture. But so much if you're raised in a house of country music, chances are... That's right. It's going to be your gig. But, luckily, he... Because I think we were so open and talked about it so frequently, he felt comfortable... With still listening to rap music. That's awesome. And having discussions, you know, we had, um, when the whole Trayvon thing happened, that was a pretty big deal. You don't remember the Trayvon thing? Go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, we just had to have conversations of, you know, it's just not a good idea right now to wear a hoodie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's a kid that was shot by police. Yeah. Young kid, teenager. Mm -hmm. And right, you then had to tell your son, you can't wear a hoodie. Right. And... And that's a hard conversation to have because you're like, what? It is. This kid wears a hoodie all day long and doesn't get that stereotype. But your son, you are having to protect from a stereotype because of his skin color. It's ah, it's disheartening. But heaven forbid if you didn't have that conversation, what might could have happened? Well, and the thing is, um, you know, if you are raising a child of color, you have to raise them. You have to parent them differently. You You have to have the conversations of... Um, you know, with the whole hoodie thing, yes. you know, we had to riding your bike at night to your friends is probably just not a good idea. Like we had to, 
um, they used to have airsoft wars, which was always funny because yeah. we lived in a real wooded area. And he would say, Mom, you know, why am I always the one that the cop stops and wants to check, you know, my airsoft gun? And I'm like, dude, that's just unfortunately what happens. You're to always be respectful and polite. Don't give them a reason right, to get irritated with you. And it's sad that you have to tell them and have those conversations like that, but it... It could save their life. Um, it is sad. I get frustrated. I, I have to admit that I, it, it, it causes me great anxiety that we have to tell any kid that. I mean, yeah. number one, we want all of our kids to be respectful, Absolutely. of course. Absolutely. But to say, you are going to be targeted. Yes. And you're going to be assumed, like I always teach my kids, assume the best in everybody. Don't assume the worst. But unfortunately, because of whatever we've got going on in this society right now, we assume the worst out of black young men. Yes. And it is disheartening. It's sad. It is sad. And um, how do we help these young kids? Like, again, going after the heart to say you are worthy mm-hmm. when we're saying, but on the other hand, make sure you have every receipt with everything you buy because they might think you've stolen it. Oh, absolutely. Hang on to your receipt yeah. because if they question if you took it or not, you need to be able to show that you need to have proof that you purchased it. And I saw it so much with Phoebe. Now, Phoebe was a little girl. She was, we only had her from age two to five, but we lived... Um, Cherokee County in Georgia, very old school. I remember going to grocery stores with her, and she would wave at these old men in their overalls, and they would flat out look at her and ignore her. Mm -hmm. And it was heartbreaking to me because I knew it was obviously because of her color. And those of you who know me know I don't tolerate that very well. I get fired up. So I would say to her, sweetheart, I'm sure he didn't see you. He wasn't being unkind because you're such a beautiful little girl, and he would have wanted to say hi to you. And I say it loudly so this man can hear. Yeah. That he is being called out for his racism. Mm -hmm. So I think it is we've got to educate the people around us. Right. In this blog post, this lady said, hey, look, if you're a friend, if you're a mom of one of my kids' friends, don't come up to my black kid and rub his head because you like the way his head feels. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. And I see it all the time, right? Mm -hmm. We we unknowingly... Um, we unknowingly do that stuff as friends. We don't we don't mean anything, but we've got to think. So if you're out there listening and you don't have a child of color, but you have friends who do, be careful how you talk about that. Don't right. assume. You know, I remember um, I told you this story earlier about my grown son, Melvin. We went to the paint store to Sherwin-Williams. He's Latino. And he's in a white t-shirt because the kid lives in white t-shirts, right? <laughs> but they assume he's my painter. He's my hired painter. And they're like, so what's your number? Like, what's your account number here? And he looks at them and I'm like, that's my son. What What are you doing? We've got to think of how these kids feel already. They've got enough stereotypes on them without our friends putting more or people, right. you know, we've got to protect them from that too. So how do we help our friends? What would you say mm-hmm. to someone who has a friend who has a child of color? What's some advice you'd give them? Well, I think absolutely open communication is the best. Okay. So I wish that I had had friends from the get-go that asked me questions. Right, right. Um, I think what we do is assume things, which makes it really difficult. I had lots of um, even acquaintances that would see my husband and I with our son and assume, oh, he's adopted. Right. I did. Um, I assumed that. You know, so I think instead of making assumptions, it's good to just say, 
he is so precious. Tell me his story. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. let me, you know, just um, share how this happened because this is amazing. I um, did that football last year to a family. Uh, white mom, biracial kid. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he is, you know, I have a lot of adopted kids. And you, sure. you know, obviously we have this in common. I mean, that's what I'm telling this lady. Yeah. And she's looking at me and staring at me and she's like, what? And I'm like, oh, because, you know, you know, I have a lot of adopted kids too. She's like, that's awesome. My son's not adopted. Yeah. He has a black daddy. I'm like, oh, <laughs> duh. <laughs> I just didn't know. And Josh isn't black. I mean, right. his story's a little bit right. different. We're not, so, you know, it doesn't matter, but he's not. But everybody's story is different and unique and God blesses us with children all different ways. And so you're right. Just to ask the question, tell me your story. What a beautiful way to do that. Because we assume, I've had people walk up to the grocery store. You know, obviously they assume only Joshua is adopted if I'm with the five of them. Sorry about the noise that's coming through. Uh, Only Joshua is adopted. But that's not true. Um, Many of my kids are adopted. But because Joshua is the one of color at that point, they assume he's the only one adopted. And so... I always just say, we all look alike, don't we? Yes, yeah. amazing how much we look alike. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, okay, so that's one. Uh, tell me your story. What else would you tell these parents who are friends? Um, just being real, um, actually, and being supportive when the hard stuff comes along. Yeah. Um, you know, I was clueless how to be a mom <laughs> and just all of a sudden had a four-year-old. And a four-year-old of color. Of color. So not only you're becoming a mom to a four-year-old, mm-hmm. you're becoming a mom to a four-year-old who doesn't look like you. So you right. are going to be hit up with all kinds of stuff. Right. And, yeah. And growing up, you know, in the South, you know, it's not easy. Um, no. But I wouldn't trade it for nothing. Mm. It is the most precious gift. I feel overwhelmingly blessed that the Lord gave me this precious boy. He seems like a rock star. He is. I mean, it just, I don't, I don't even know him, you guys. I've never met him. I've only loved him through pictures, but he is now married. He's in the military. He is thriving. Mm-hmm. It is obvious this boy has been loved well because he is so successful. And all those tough things he had to go through, I think that was the key, is that you as a family unit continued to function as a family unit and continued to say, yep, this sucks, this isn't fair. You can be angry, you can feel all these things. And we've got to let our, so much we want to protect our kids, right? We don't want them to hurt. Right. But it does hurt when you don't fit in. Right. Especially, it does hurt when someone assumes that you're the bad egg because of your color. It, It does hurt. So. And he felt that not just... You know, neighborhoods, different things. I mean, he felt it at school with teachers. Yes. He felt like he was very much singled out more than the other kids. Yeah. Um, and, and he probably was. And he probably was. And he was. probably was, to and, be honest. And it's, you know, we had to, open communication was the number one thing with our family. We had to talk about it. Everything. Every, talk about it all. And I think because we did that from the get-go. It made it easier when the really hard teenage years came around. Okay. I want you to know that I tell young parents that exact thing all the time. Is if you want to have a relationship with your kids when they're teenagers, you better make sure you have a relationship when they're little. You don't put them in front of a TV. No, it's okay to put them in front of a TV for a break. Look, we all need that. But you don't ignore their emotional needs as a young kid and expect them to show up at your door when they're a teenager. You've got to invest in them when they want to sit 
and tell you a story that they've made up a thousand times, you sit and be invested in that story a thousand times. When they want you to read them a book, you read them a book because that is investing in them emotionally. When they are sad, when they're four, five, six, seven, you say, I see that you're sad. It's okay to be sad because that sets the tone for when they're a teenager. But if you say, stop that right now, we don't have time for that. Well, guess what's going to happen when they're a teenager and the issues are bigger? Mm -hmm. They're not going to come to you because you're not safe. You tell them to... basically shut up and stuff it so if you want to deal with kids at that age you've got to address them um i mean you've got to be a part of their life when they're little you've got to be a part of their life emotionally and let him be sad let him cry and i'm sure you did that yeah and be there and be their cheerleader oh my gosh that that is not their friend not their friend but their cheerleader their cheerleader that knows that you know what no matter what mama's got your back that is what i tell my kids and they will say, um, I know I've told this story, too, that I remember Carlos one time telling the rest of the children. He's like, children? He's so cute. He was like 20. He's like, do you know we have a badass mom? And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> hey. What? But he meant it. And he said, you would do anything for us. And we know that if anybody gets in our way, you're going to take them down. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right? They know, look, you're right. I'm not objective about my 10 kids. You mess with my kids, I'm taking you down. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that my kids feel that way because that is that is my truth. And especially our kids that we see the world stereotyping against. Yeah, and like, it's hard. Uh, Anybody that tells you it's not hard is ridiculous. And uh-huh. you get in your room and cry. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it breaks your heart to see them hurt over something that society has deemed a certain way. It, oh, and it infuriates me, for being honest. And then friends who unknowingly contribute. Right. Uh, unknowingly will say something to you and you want to pop them. I remember with my adopted kids or in front of the kids. Now, which one of you are her real kids? I'm like, what? What? Yeah. Yeah. Or, and I'm like, well. And they don't mean anything by it. Of course not. But here's the thing, friends. Yes. Is don't throw that stuff out there. That's right. Ask questions. Ask questions. Ask questions. Um, you know, tell me your story is the best way. Tell me your story to everybody. Tell me your story because you know what? We all have a story. Absolutely. It doesn't matter your color. It doesn't matter your background. We all have a story. We all have a story and that is a safe way to do it. So let's sum it up. Um, if you are praying about inviting a child of color and doesn't meet any mixed race, anyone that's different from you, it could be a special needs. It definitely doesn't even have to be this um, cult, it doesn't have to be a color, but I see it all the time. Um, I grew up with an aunt with the Pert syndrome and just the, the conversations that people would have, the staring people would do. If you're praying about adding that to your family, just be open-eyed about it. Know that it's going to be challenging. Ask yourself, are you willing to have the tough discussions? Are you willing to, um, to be honest, even not be friends with some people? Cause you've got some people who are going to have opinions um, I might have shared this story before, but when we tried to adopt Phoebe, my dad wrote me a letter and told me to return it and called my daughter Nit. My dad's not a bad man, but he grew up in the South, and he definitely had some wrong opinions about children of color and people of color. It was horrific, and I told my dad that he would love all of us or he would not get the privilege of loving any of us. And I had to make a hard line and stand up for my daughter. And in the end, my daughter won, won him over, and he changed his opinion. It was beautiful how the Lord used her innocence um, to open his eyes to his racism. It it was really cool, but you've got to be willing to take some of that, willing to take some of that on if you are going to to be a parent of a child that is different from what we consider the norm. Mm -hmm. If you are a friend of someone who has taken on these children, be careful with your words. 
what Natalie said, tell me your story is probably the most beautiful way to address it. And honor their story. Honor people's story. We're all different. It doesn't matter. But be okay with that and support them. Ask the friend, how can I support you in this? What can I do? What do you need from me? Yeah. And and I say this always, talking makes it better. Honest talking takes courage, takes vulnerability. But my kids will be the first to tell you, Mom, talking it out makes it better, doesn't it? And it always does. Mm-hmm. So any final words, Natalie, on that? No, no. I think it's I think it's good. Just open communication is, is the main thing. And I asked um, lots of lots of questions myself. Last asked a lot of um, people for advice. Um, people of color that you know. Look, I don't have a clue. What am I to do with this poor child's hair? Oh, girl, me too. I like, had to call a biracial friend and say, yeah. "Okay, you got to come teach me." And she did. She's like, "Go get this product <laughs> and this product." And she was raised in a white household. And I, I asked her. I said, "Look." I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but tell me. Tell yeah. me what you wish your parents don't would have known. Don't be afraid to ask questions. That's right. Because, you know, at one point, they've had questions too. So That's right. And I think everyone, if we're in this together, we're willing to help. And, and our story might help your story. And yeah. your story is going to help someone else. So that's what we have to remember. Look, we need each other. Right. Right? <laughs> you know, I know that everybody didn't really agree with the whole it takes a village. But sometimes it does take a village. It takes more than just you. It takes you being willing to say, hey, come alongside me. I need help. I'm clueless. I don't know what I'm doing. I know there are people that will help you. So if you are a young mom and you're clueless, whether it's this subject or any subject, we are here for you. We who have a little wisdom and some wrinkles on us are here for you because we've been there. I tell my daughter-in-law all the time, don't think I haven't lived what you've lived. Don't think I haven't been there. I've struggled just like you're struggling. I'm sure you struggle just like they're struggling. So ladies... Man, we care for you. We hope you're willing to take on these tough subjects and share this with somebody that it might matter. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a great week. Natalie, love you. I love you. Go dogs. Ah, go walk. You've been listening to The Real Kathy Lee. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. To find out more, check out therealkathylee.com. You can download us every Friday on iTunes or your favorite app to listen to the podcast. Hey, if this hot mess can rock motherhood, so can you.